So welcome. Uh, Kathy, why don't you come on up? Women's ministry is kicking off some incredible events into the fall, and this is Kathy Bodycomb. If you have not met her, she is the lead for women's ministry. Hello. Good morning. So is that your water? Is that your water? Oh, thank you. You're getting Mark cooties now. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, this is going to take a few minutes. but So, at Women's, our ministry, uh, women's ministry team is always looking for ways on how we can encourage the women here at our church at the well. So, I was reading the Bible and um, read in the book of Colossians in the first chapter three things that Paul prayed for for the church. The first one... We are asking God that you may be given spiritual insight and understanding. So this is God's word entering into our minds and affecting our hearts. He said, we also pray that your outward lives, which others see, may bring honor to your heavenly father, to please him in all respects by bearing fruit in every good work, and that your knowledge of God may grow even deeper. So as we live our lives, this is then outwardly, as we live our lives, we are trusting God and then uh, even risking by loving one another. And we find out through that that God is faithful, that he does provide, that he is caring. Um, And so, again, our faith gets even deeper. So then the third thing is we pray that you will be strengthened by God's boundless resources so that you will find yourselves able able to pass through any experience and endure it with courage, giving thanks with joy to the Father. For he rescued us out of darkness and established us into the kingdom of his dear son who bought our freedom and forgave us completely. So we are in his kingdom together. And the women's ministry team Um, is just really kind of organizing things that we can do um, together to grow, to encourage each other, to honor him, to have his light in us, and that his light also um, is shining where we are. Um, So how can we do this? We explore God's word together. Uh, we, We study it. Uh, and then dig deeper into it. We pray together for his will. Um, and we hear each other's stories, uh, current and past stories that we listen to each other and we become part of each other's lives. So this is our lineup for the fall. <laughs> um, we have four Bible studies. Uh, we have one on Monday mornings, uh, 10 a.m. It's going to begin September 11th. And it will be here at the well. And they will be studying the book of Timothy and Titus. Monday evening, we're going to be starting September 18th, 7 o'clock here at the well. And we're studying a book called uh, From Beginning to Forever. It's the uh, grand narrative of scripture. We are not reading the entire Bible in six weeks. Uh, It's by Elizabeth Woodson, but it's the the story from beginning to end. So it will be going through a lot of the books of the Bible, but not reading it in its entirety. Uh, Tuesdays, 2 p.m. on Zoom, they're continuing with Isaiah. And on Thursday, 6.30, starting September 21st, uh, and this will be at Katie's house, they will be studying the Sermon on the Mount by Jen Wilkin. It's a great study. We just did it on Monday night. 
A couple other events that we're planning for this fall. One is a prayer walk, and that's going to be October 7th uh, in the morning, and the location is to be determined, but it will be uh, kind of organized or headed up by Darianne O'Brien and Cynthia Wilson. Uh, and it is to pray for the valley, for this community, and especially our youth. And one last thing is we're going to have a worship evening brought back by popular demand on October 21st um, with Gloria and Shiloh. Um, and that will be here at the, in the commons. So thank you. That, are, that is what the women's ministry is doing this fall. Awesome. <clears throat> Thank you. And, and again, just a, a reminder, when you see all of these uh, events coming up, you know, it's not to overwhelm you. We know that you are busy and you have a lot of things on your plate. The heart behind everything here is relationship. It's relationship and it's a way for you to connect with God and with other women. Uh, I know Kathy is always open to also volunteers and those that would like to come alongside and help serve, use your gifts. So if that is even what you're interested in, please talk to Kathy because, uh, you know, they can always use uh, some other helpers in the ministry. Okay, a couple of other things as we head into the fall. Actually, today, we are going to be at the Continuing Care Center. And uh, once a month, it's kind of started last month. We are there. It's behind the Ojai Hospital. And we call it our second service. And we're going to have chapel today. Uh, I'll be leading worship with Isaac. Bill's going to bring the message. And we want to invite you. And, and many of you have come with us over the years. And you're like, well, what do you do there? You know, uh, we love the residents. We love the residents, and I know that that can be kind of daunting, especially if you haven't been to the new facility. It's a beautiful facility, um, but we go there. We're going to get there about 145, and then they gather the residents, and they bring them into a big uh, fellowship hall, and uh, we just love them. We get to know them. We walk around, introduce ourselves. You know, we kind of forget that that's where they live, and so uh, many of them faithfully watch us, and if you're watching, uh, good morning. Uh, many of them watch us at 2 p.m. They watch the, uh, the recorded version of our services, so they've seen you on the feed at times as well. But they're blessed when we actually go. And so we want to invite you today. Uh, I know, you know, we also, I know many of you have your Sunday afternoon post-service schedules and everything. I get that. Uh, but I would encourage you, maybe even slash challenge you to come on out, if not this month, next month. And if you're a little nervous and you don't know what to do, that's precisely where you need to be. Uh, and then you find out the simplicity of meeting a new friend and hearing their story and finding out that some of them um, don't even have family locally. And so we get to go and bless them and put a smile on their face. And a lot of times we do the traditional hymns over there. So if you like hymns, uh, we'll be doing those today. Um, but come on out, 145. We're, we're, we're done by 3. Uh, and usually the actual chapel service gets done about 245-ish, and then we just hang out about 15 minutes and share lives. So that's today. Uh, youth ministry, uh, they are kicking off September 6th. And again, uh, middle school, high schoolers, we'd love to uh, have you come out and invite your friends. Uh, Jordan and his team are looking forward to an incredible fall together with you. And I would encourage you, uh, again, parents, adults, uh, pray for the youth of the valley. Uh, these are some very, very challenging times. Uh, culturally, socially, and spiritually, there's a lot of spiritual darkness in this valley. So, um, you know, if you can't participate in a volunteering capacity, would you pray? Pray for Jordan as well as he kind of spearheads the team uh, because there is a lot going on on the spiritual front these days. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of transition in the school district. If you didn't know, you know, right, Nordoff is now combined, and they're working through 
uh, just a lot of logistical differences as well. So at the very least, we can all pray uh, for the youth of the valley. Amen? All right, pray for them. Uh, And then on September 10th, uh, we've been promoting what we call our fall kickoff and family day. Uh, We're going to do a shorter service, and then we're going to head out to the the lawn. If it's as hot as it's been, we're going to fire up all the water games, the slip and slide, the dunk tank. Uh, You can bring food, and we're going to have refreshments and everything out there. Really just a time for us to regroup as a church family. I know many of you traveled and, you know, we're gone at various times in the summer. But we just wanted to have an actual event where we can enjoy each other's company. Uh, baptisms, we already have one baptism scheduled. And so if you would like to be baptized on uh, September 10th, please let me or Tyler or any of the elders know, and we'd love to chat with you about that. Um, and then uh, Mexico, we'll be done. Um, just a quick reminder, uh, actually eight weeks from today, there will be a whole group of us heading down to Mexico and Sonata to build two houses. Um, we still have room on the trip, so if that's something you are interested in finding out more about or the Lord is really prompting you to sign up, uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the uh, cart outside or you can come talk to me. And fundraising, we, uh, be do- we'll be doing things over the next couple of months, but we have a very significant fundraising goal of about $29,000 to build these two homes. So if the Lord puts it on your heart to donate towards that need, uh, you can certainly, again, see me or just put uh, you know something in the box or send it in just designated for Mexico trip. But uh, we're going to continue through the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, this morning. And as uh, I was studying and preparing, uh, I thought of uh, growing up, and many of you know I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition. And uh, the church that we went to, we didn't have kingdom kids. Right? They didn't send us out uh, during Mass. We were there. And I went to, to Mass for as long as I can remember. And, you know, uh, where we were, it was about 45 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour. And, uh, man, how many of you parents can relate to trying to keep your toddler, four or five-year-old, right, 45 minutes? And, and you know, I love my mom. She was a trooper because uh, I was number three out of four kids. And, you know, she, she had all the tricks to keep us sitting on the wooden pews for 45 minutes without causing a stir, drawing attention to yourself, being a distraction, right? And if you're familiar with the Roman Catholic Church, they have those kneelers that go down. So, you know, every once in a while we had permission to climb down and sit down there, you know. But she had her tricks. She had her, you know, gum. Gum was a biggie, you know. It's like she knew when it was time to take out the gum and tear it and pass it down. You know, and maybe once in a while a little thing to scribble on. She also had the look. How many of you remember the look? Right? Like you're doing your best and not have to say a thing. And I don't think anyone else in the church knew. But we all knew. Like, oh, right? Time to get up off the floor and sit back where we were. And... It's interesting because, uh, you know, I love the, the liturgy of that and even the, I understand the respect and, and the environment and the context of that. But it's interesting because I was thinking of that in light of where we are in, in Mark, because for me, when I came to know Jesus about 30 years ago, that formality and that even, um, you know, memorized how we do church and kind of like uh, you don't draw attention and you're very quiet and you're not very expressive... You know, some of that I've had to work through in just my relationship with Jesus 
and trying to figure out, well, what's okay, what's not okay, and, you know, you don't want to stir it up and all, all that. And, and for some of you, whether it was the Roman Catholic tradition or another tradition that's maybe even uh, more formal than what we have here, you know, you have Mark here with shorts and flip-flops, you know, and, and for some, that, that's a big deal. For some, that's a big deal. You know, when, when we grew up, growing up, for as long as I can remember, you know, you kind of dress like this more so on a Sunday morning. Um, just that, that was context and out of respect, you know. And so I, I get that. And sometimes in our relationship with Jesus, we try to figure out what's appropriate, what's not, you know, and, and try to be respectful and yet not stifle the spirit. And so if you're in that place, I, I understand. And, and that's why I really appreciate where we've been in Mark 2 and where we're going to be because Jesus is starting his ministry and he's stirring it up. He's stirring it up, and specifically, he's stirring it up with the old religious guard. And, uh, you know, there's some controversy, there's some questioning, some things, some people aren't happy. And so even in the passage today, he stirs it up. And then I was thinking, okay, okay, this is even as a, just a reminder again where I've come from. As Jesus confronts the traditions, the rituals, the religiosity that maybe even some of us today... Maybe, maybe you're in your place in your sanctification and your maturing. You're still trying to figure that out. I think today will be helpful for you. So in Mark chapter 2, we're going to read 18 to 22. It says this. Now John's disciples, that's John the Baptist. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, to Jesus, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, And the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. And so we're going to walk through this passage and kind of just kind of lay a framework so you understand what's going on here. Jesus is really speaking to, he gives three illustrations, and it's designed to help us, help them, help us understand the difference between the new, which is Jesus, the new covenant, the Messiah has arrived, and the old, the old covenant, the religion of the Jews, Judaism. Okay, so that's, that's what these three illustrations are all about. And, and so he's stirring it up. He's stirring it up. And the first one, okay, it has to do with fasting and feasting. And we'll read it again, verse 18 to 20. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Now, in context, some people believe that this question, this event happened right after Jesus and his boys were at the party that Matthew threw, that we talked about last Sunday. Remember that? He calls Levi, who became Matthew, tax collector, throws a party. All the sinners and tax collectors show up. Jesus and his boys are there. They have a party, a feast. It's a big deal, right? And so many believe that right after that, he gets questioned. And so... Traditionally, in the Jewish religion, they would fast Monday and Thursday, okay? And so they have this question. Suddenly they're like, hey, you know what? 
what's up with that? Why aren't your disciples Jesus? Why aren't your followers fasting like everyone else? Why aren't they, why aren't they following the rules? Right? Now, to help us understand this, there's a parallel passage in Matthew. Same story, but uh, Matthew says this. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So Jesus equates mourning with fasting. Okay? And what's going on there is there's, it's a rhetorical question, which is leading to an, an, a negative reply. And, and really he's connecting okay, the new and the old. He's saying, hey, I'm here, new covenant Messiah, let's party. The old is like, well, you know, gosh, we fast Monday, Thursday. Can't do that. Right? And, and what he's trying to illustrate is that his presence, Jesus, your relationship with Jesus should take preeminence. We shouldn't let how we do church and the things that we incorporate in our life to stifle the joy and the celebration of our relationship with Jesus. Amen? Okay? I love what David Guzik, he says this. A wedding feast was the most vivid picture of joy and happiness in that culture. During the week-long wedding feast, it was understood that joy was more important than conformity to religious rituals. If any ceremonial observance would detract from the joy of a wedding feast, it was not required. Jesus said that his followers should have this kind of happiness. Basically, they thought Jesus was too happy. When was the last time you were accused of being too cheerful or too happy? Right? So what would happen is, in this culture, they would have the wedding ceremony, and then the bridegroom would hang out with his boys and the guests for a week. And as long as the bridegroom was there, it was a week of fun, feasting, partying, right? And he's saying, I'm the bridegroom, I'm here. I'm here, right? And, and I love Guzik's question. Because when was the last time you were accused of being too cheerful or too happy to have a relationship with Jesus? Think about that. Ever? Because what happens? You, 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 you hear that Jesus Christ died, rose from the dead, you put your faith in him, you're born again, name written in the book of life, and then you get serious. No, I'm serious about Jesus. I read my Bible. I get up at 5 a.m., right? I go to church. Some of you getting to here was not a joyful experience today. Some of you might have fought on the car. And I've shared this before, right? The miracle of the parking lot. So, you know, these blinds are up before service. And sometimes I'm in here. And I watch some of you arrive. Not with joy-filled vehicles. I don't know what happened. I don't know who was late. Who didn't get dressed on time? I don't know. But sometimes there's a carload of people who come in there. Serious is all. And I'm like, ooh, something happened. But I call it the miracle of the parking lot. Because you get out of the car. And between your car and the greeters, a miracle! Tyler and Betty, how are you? Good. How's your week? Oh, awesome. Praise the Lord. Just so happy to be here. The miracle of the parking lot. It like, almost happens every Sunday. It's amazing, right? Because some of us, we're serious. 
Got to get up. Got to go to church. Be serious about this Jesus. Serious. Well, we're serious at the well. Serious. 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 Right? And then you get here and you go like, man, they're just a bunch of yahoos. (laughs) This is serious? We understand. I understand there's a balance respect. Respect to the Lord. We never want to, you know, become disrespectful. But around here, what we really want you to do is celebrate Jesus. The freedom we have in Christ. Freedom. Everyone say freedom. Okay, now I know it's hard because you all sit in rows like you're in school. It's, it's tough. The way we do church is tough because we have to sit you in rows. And, you know, some of you are... And like, I'm a glorified teacher. It's like Sunday school, literally Sunday school. Get it, right? Sunday school. You're like, and we sit in rows. And some of you who kids are here, you give the look. I see you. I have a whole different perspective here. It's so funny because I'll watch parents get frustrated throughout the service with your kids. And you do like when you pass them. And then it's funny because I know when mom's really mad here. I'm like, oh, he better stop. You better stop, right? We want freedom here, freedom in Christ, right? And that's why I love this. Jesus is like, hey, time out here. Let me tell you a story. How many of you enjoy wedding receptions, going to weddings, celebrating, right, appropriately? I'm not talking to anything silly, simple. Just you enjoy the atmosphere of celebration, amen? It's just fun, right? And there's a part of that over time, I think we have to be careful as believers, that we don't get so serious about Jesus, and you know what I mean by serious, meaning somber, okay, to where you stifle the joy of the Lord. I mean, it's, it, it's tough because there's a tough world out here, and we get that. And I'm not talking about being giddy or silly or superficial or burying your head in the sand and, you know, not facing your problems and, you know, just kind of getting this, like, weird Jesus thing where you're not, you know. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is being willing to confront the trials and tribulations of life, as the Bible says, to count it all joy. Amen? And that joy, that happiness comes from your relationship with Christ. No matter what the circumstance is, okay? So I get that. So we're not talking about, you know, burying your head in the sand. But what I am talking about, and what Jesus was in the context, he's talking to religious people who have missed the point. And if you're a believer, and you're more concerned with doing it right, and you lost your joy, you got to call time out. you got to call time out. And you got to go back to here. Go back to here. Because remember, what's the good news of the gospel? We are saved by grace through faith, not by works. Anyone? And you received the gospel right where you were. You received it right where you were. Right? As messed up, as unchurched, as whatever. Right? You received it. How many of you, when you received it, it was just joy? Like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Right? And then then what happened is, You got saved and decided to clean up your life. And now you lost the joy because now you do is just keep score. You just keep score. And usually it's, how did I mess up today? And how unhappy is God with me today? And oh, you did it again. And a thousand little voices, even from the enemy, the accuser, and it's robbing your joy. 
Some of us today, you need to go back to joy. Just go back. You were saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Amen? You didn't do a thing. You didn't do a thing to get saved. And let me clue you in. You're not doing anything to keep yourself saved. It's all of grace. Amen? It's all of grace. So just turn the person next to you and say, smile. Come on, smile. Just like, relax. Relax. My goodness. Right? Just relax. Woo! Serious. Can we, like, can we like just worship Jesus around here in freedom? Let's just be free. Like, you give me grace, I'll give you grace. We both respect God, we honor his word, all of that. We, we understand all that. But let's not stifle Jesus at the well because we're trying to do it so right. Because you can do it so right that you're wrong. Crazy, right? Remember church in Ephesus and Revelation. Jesus says, hey, you know what? You guys do church really good. You got it all wired. You're orthodox. You call out false teachers, da-da-da. And what do you say? But I have this against you. You left your first love, me. This church was so consumed and so focused on doing church right that they lost their love for Jesus as a church. I want to encourage you today. Jesus is the bridegroom. He's in your life. He's in your life. You got to switch back into the wedding reception mode. (laughs) Amen? Come on. And I know some of you are going through tough things. I'm going through transitions as well. In the midst of that, we can have joy. Because he's with us. It's a game changer. All right? So that's the first illustration. All right? He's like, hey, you know what? I'm here. And so if you've lost your joy... Maybe the question is, what is detracting or what is distracting you? Even in what you're trying to do for Jesus. Have you let the doing stifle the joy? Because here's the thing. If you come back to loving him and the joy, your doing is going to follow. You're going to want to. Right? It's when we, when we flip it and we get more concerned with doing it right that your faith becomes duty and drudgery and works all over again. And you lost the freedom and the joy of when you first began with Jesus. Some of you may just need to come back. Just come back. Whether you've been walking with him for a week, a decade, two decades, three decades, a century, Ernie, I don't know, but you know, I don't know. Come back, right? Right? I told Ernie, Mark, when you said, you know, stand up and meet and greet an old friend. I'm like, Ernie, got to go see the old friend. So, you know, come back. Come back and have the joy of Jesus. Amen? That's what he's saying. That's his point here, right? He's like the bridegroom, wedding feast, fun, party, celebration. Celebration. Come back. He's still got you. God is good all the time. Something to celebrate, amen? It's something to celebrate, okay? And then his next illustration has to do with uh, a new patch and an old patch. And, and again, I thought of my, my childhood, date myself a little bit. There's a photo I, I went. How many of you remember growing up? Patches. Yeah, in our generation, right? Right. Now they're like a cool thing, but when I was growing up, right, you get your little 
cutting your knees and you try really hard to put the patch in there, right? So he's talking about new patches and old patches. In Mark 2.21, he says, No one sews a piece of untrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and the worst tear is made. Again, remember, new is the new covenant in Jesus. Old is the old covenant, Judaism. He's saying, you know what? The new patch, the old cloth, they're incompatible. That's all he's saying here. They're incompatible. You can't put them together. You can't mix them, okay? Jesus, it doesn't mix. The old, his new covenant doesn't mix. It's incompatible with the old existing religious laws. That's all he's saying there, okay? John MacArthur says this. Jesus didn't come with a message to patch up the old system. He came with a message to replace it altogether. He brought a new internal gospel of repentance and forgiveness by grace that cannot be mixed with the old Judaism of tradition and self-righteous works or with any other religion. I got to tell you, in, in, in case you didn't know, salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, that is a radical, radical truth. Set alone for Christianity. When we profess through the authority of Scripture, that we are saved by grace through faith alone, in Christ alone, that sets us apart from any other religion on this planet. Don't, don't minimize that. That's a head-scratcher. That's a head-scratcher. As you sit here, let me, again, let me, let me try to help you understand the significance. If you put your faith in Christ, right, as Savior and Lord, as you sit here on the authority of Scripture, you are born again into the family of God, and as you sit here, your name is written in the book of life. Simply because you received it by grace through faith, not by works. There are billions of people on this planet that have no concept of that. Because they are still trying to work. They're still trying to, to their scales. They live by scales. And they're hoping at the end, when they die, that their scale of good works outweighs the scale of bad works. And somehow or another, however the divine person up there is going to do it, they're going to be led into heaven. They, this, this planet is filled with billions of people who live daily under that burden and that law. We, on the authority of Scripture, are free. Like, I'm telling you right now. Again, go back to reason to celebrate. As you sit here, as you sit here, this very second at 10... 50. If you're a believer, right now, your name is written in the book of life. Right now. So, like, if something were to happen on your way home, yeah, in human terms, we say the worst case, right, if something were to happen, and you were to leave this planet, you would be immediately, as a believer, in the presence of Christ. I mean, <laughs> Right? So we balance that truth. And I got to get serious about Jesus. Want to come to the well? We're serious at the well. Come to the well. We're serious. You scare people away when you say that we're serious at the well. Because what does that mean? They got to be serious, right? Now, are we serious in the sense we take this? Yes, serious. We understand that it. it's life or death. It, it matters. But please, if you're going to go invite people to the well, have a smile on your face. Maybe the word celebration instead of serious. Maybe like joy. Maybe like family. Love. Amen? 
Like, if you got invited to a serious church, would you go? I mean, like, oh, man, I'm going to be around a bunch of serious people, right? It's just, I'm just telling you, celebrate. Celebrate who you are right now, okay? And when he says the patch and the old, the new and the old, they're incompatible, again, as believers, I'm just speaking to the church, sometimes over time, we get burdened by the works come in. Please don't let the works we understand you want to walk in faith and obedience and we don't get it right and all this kind of stuff. We're in sanctification. But please don't let that kill your joy. Please don't let that kill your joy. Okay? And then the third illustration is new wineskin and old wineskin. In Mark 2.22, he says this, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. So in this culture, wineskins were usually made of goatskin. And over time, it could, it could harden and kind of get crusty and all that kind of stuff. And so what would happen is if you put new wine into an old wineskin, the new wine ferments. And as it ferments, it builds pressure. And it's that building pressure that causes the old wineskins to burst, right? So in this illustration, the old wineskins are the rules and the regulations and the traditions of Judaism. And Jesus is saying, you can't put me in the new covenant into that. It doesn't work. Something's got to give. Right? And David Guzik again says this. Jesus' point was made clear by these examples. You can't fit his new life into the old forms. Jesus traded fasting for feasting, sackcloth and ashes for a robe of righteousness, a spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise, mourning for joy, and law for grace. So here's, here's my encouragement to us. How do we make this relevant and, and real? Okay. First question, we go back to the, the wedding feast. How's your joy in Jesus? How's your joy? Honestly, this past week, just kind of quick survey, joy survey, last six, seven days. Where was your joy? Were you celebrating who you are in Christ, where you're celebrating your name in the book of life. See, part of it, we do this. Part of the time, when you, I want to encourage you, when you have a quiet time in the morning or whenever you do, start it off with thanksgiving and praise and celebration. Amen? Thank you, God, for another day of life. Thank you for who I am in Christ. Thank you, you still love me. Thank you, my name is still written in the book. Start it off with celebration. Start that off with celebration. And then what happens, and this is, this is what I want to encourage you with too. If you were to change your paradigm to Sunday instead of going to church, but you're going to celebration. This is corporate celebration. When we worship, it's celebration. When we pray, it's celebration. When we have donuts and coffee, it's celebration. This is corporate celebration. Now, we get here very early. We have a road map. The technical crew does a great job. I prep. Kingdom kids, hospitality, a lot of stuff goes into doing it right and well. For what purpose? Joy and celebration. That's it. We don't elevate all of that and then say, well, we're doing it really good because we got it just right. And then we have this crazy scorecard. And, you know, I asked Jordan, well, Jordan, how many things went wrong today? Can you imagine that? Like, if, if at, at the end of service, before I left here, I go to every ministry lead and I say, hey, what went wrong today? 
How crazy would that be? What went wrong today? But how many of us in our walk with Jesus kind of go that way? Rather than celebrating things that you did differently, better, little baby steps you took, some of us tend to focus. How many of us are our own worst critic? How many of us, we are the negative self-talk, right? We know exactly what went wrong today. We know exactly what went wrong in here, what came out of here, and what we choose to do. We know, right? We can't lose our joy, even when we gather here. This is all celebration. This is all celebration. We do take it serious in the sense we want excellence around here because it glorifies God. But the heartbeat is just so every Sunday, honestly, it's a party. I love hearing you guys talk. I love the fellowship in there, reunion. Come to church as a celebration. Okay? And see what that does. See what that does. Jesus in John 15 says this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my what? Joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Our joy is connected to obedience, but our obedience is connected to love. Obedience is a fruit of love. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me, which means the fruit of loving me first, preeminence of Christ, wanting to love Jesus, I'll want to obey. And Jesus says, if you're walking in love and obedience, your joy is going to be full. So it's possible if your joy meter isn't where it needs to be, honestly, maybe there's an area where you're not walking in obedience. Okay, confess it. Get some help around you. Take care of that issue in the power of the Holy Spirit and watch your joy come back up. Because how many of us know, how many have ever known that God has been working on you in an area and you have been choosing to resist? Anyone? How many of you know that when you choose to resist, your joy starts to do this? Right? Starts to wane. Then you get a little more with people. And you don't really want to read your Bible. And you want to stop praying. And you stop listening to so much Christian music. And you don't want to come to church. Why? Nothing. God hasn't changed. It's just your disobedience is killing your joy. And you're starting to dry up spiritually. So some today, if you've been struggling with an area... Resolve it today. Like, seriously, resolve it today before you leave service. You can. We're going to have a time of prayer before communion. Confess it. Receive God's forgiveness and walk through the doors where you need to be. Amen? It's so funny. Like, some of you, like your note takers, like, note to self, confess sin before I go to bed. (laughs) Why are you going to wait another 12 hours to deal with something you could deal with before you leave here? Okay, wink, wink, hint, hint. You can be confessing right now as I'm talking. Because somebody here just got zinged. Like, how did he know? Did Tyler tell him again? Some of you are so funny. Like, I'll say some up here, and Tyler and I haven't talked, and then Tyler will say, hey, so-and-so came up to me. They want to know if, if Tyler told me. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, you didn't. No, Tyler doesn't tell me your business. Some of you are like, oh, Tyler must tell him because how else would he know? It's called the Holy Spirit. You're allowed to be confessing as I'm talking. I give you that permission. It's fine. It's fine. Deal with it now. Why do you want to carry that? Just 
You walked in with it. Take care of it. Father's good. That's what he's, he's been waiting. He's waiting. Don't kick the can down the road anymore. Just deal with it. Okay, here's the deal. I'll make it easy for you. We're going to pray for just 30 seconds. Because I really feel like we need to pray. And this is not being silly, but I think somebody needs to talk to Father right now. And just take care of business. Because he knows everything. He sees everything. There's nothing hidden from his sight. So if you need to confess something, we're just going to come to confession right now. So, Father, thank you. You are good. You are Abba. You discipline those that you love. There's nothing hidden from your sight. You do constantly, continuously desire our good. And, Father, we've already seen that our joy is connected to our obedience, which is connected to our love. And so, Father, we come before you and ask you to search our hearts. And if there is anything sinful, displeasing, disobedient, we come clean right now. You know our every thought. You know our every word. You know our every deed. To confess is simply to agree with you that if you call it sin, I call it sin. To repent is to choose to turn away from it. So, Father, now, if there's anything in our life we need to confess and turn from, We just want to take care of business. And then, Father, you say, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. So on the authority of who we are in Christ, on the authority of Scripture, Lord, we say thank you for forgiving us. Thank you that you remember our sins no more. In these areas where we've been resisting and struggling, Father, we acknowledge our need, our great dependence upon you, the power of the Holy Spirit for victory. But we can choose, and we have chosen, to confess, to repent, and now we choose to say thank you for your forgiveness at this very moment. And all God's people said... Pretty cool, huh? Right? Real deal. David Guzik says this. The joy of Jesus is not the pleasure of a life of ease. It is the exhilaration of being right with God and consciously walking in his love and care. We can have that joy. We can have his joy and have it as an abiding presence. Amen? It's the joy of relationship. Okay? So don't lose your joy. Second application we cannot see Jesus or even Christianity as a patch, as an add-on, simply to fix little tears in our life. Okay? A lot of people will say, hey, pastor, I'm going through this. Can you give me a verse? Well, we would call that Band-Aid theology, but today we'll call it patch theology. Where if we're not careful, we turn a relationship with Jesus and Christianity into glorified self-help and self-improvement. And now we're, we're, we don't really want a relationship with Jesus. We're not about loving him. We're about looking for fixes, for verses, for patches, okay? That's not why he came. He came to have a relationship with you, okay? 
He came to, to, to really be your life, not just your patch, right? And, and I love this, right? In Mark 2.21, he had talked about the, the patch and the old cloth. And it said this, no one sews a piece of untrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear is made. That word new is a specific new. And I've shared this with you before, but I think today some of you need to hear it. It's the new that's found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you are a believer this morning, you are new. You are new. Now, I, very important, you know what kind of new. There's two kinds of news in the New Testament. There's kainos and there's naos. Okay? Naos means new like on a timeline. Okay, like a new version of the car, the latest version of the car. Kainos is a brand new, never existed concept, okay? So here's a picture of a 2023 Hyundai Sonata. That's new Naos. It's the latest Sonata. Looks cool, looks great, but there's been previous Sonatas. Kainos is the prophecy concept car. Never existed before. That's you. You're Kainos. Amen? Come on. See, what happens is a lot of people come to Christ and you live naos. Like, I just want to be a better version of myself. You hear that all on Utah. Be the best version of yourself. Here's the, here's the thing. The gospel, when you come to Jesus and your new creation, the best version of yourself is the Jesus version. Let me, let me get that. You got to understand it. The best version of yourself as a believer is the Jesus version of you. Not you trying to clean up the old version. Amen? Okay, that's where, if you see yourself here, some of you need to get out of Naos, you need to get out of Sonata, and some of you need to get in the prophecy this morning, amen? Because then, if you see that, how many of you would love to test drive the prophecy concept car? How many of you excite, that excites you, right? That you're kind of excited. Sonata, eh, okay, yeah, nice, you know, a little, but it's just a Sonata. I want to drive the black car. Oh, Marvin, right? You got a smile on your face. Like you're already, you're like going down PCH already. Marvin is in PCH on the concept car, testing the curves through the canyons, right? You're testing the sound system, right? You're, you're ready to test all the bells and whistles on that Kainos car. When you come to Christ, you got to figure out all the bells and whistles that came with your new creation. Amen? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, He wants you to drive the new car which is you. You are the new car. Some of your, your relationship with Jesus and Christianity is because you're so consumed with trying to clean up the old you. The old you is dead. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Amen? You're the kainos car. Now, how many of you have seen great change in you, transformation, right? You have. You have. And I'm not downplaying that, but you've got to understand when the Bible says you're a new creation, you have never existed before. This version of you as a born-again child of God has never existed on this planet. Because now you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Let that sink in. That's another rocky world moment. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, indwells you 
as a kainos creation. Amen? Why would you want to leave the kainos car with the power of the Holy Spirit and go back to the Sonata? Well, it's comfortable and it's convenient and I know where all the switches are and I've just grown up with that. And to, to leave that car and go to a new car is scary. And uh, it's going to take a while. Huh? The walk with Jesus as a kainos creation is a grand adventure. It is an incredible concept car adventure. Amen? And you're going to have to choose to stay out there with him. Because he may take you places where you're going to go... Okay, here we go. Never been on this strip of road before with that kind of power of car behind me, right? That's the joy. That's the exhilaration of following Jesus, amen? That's what we're talking about, okay? William McDonald says this, A life of holiness is produced not by the observance of ritual, but by yielding to Christ and permitting him to live his life in the believer, The new creation is not an improvement of or an addition to the old, but something entirely different. That's you. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's you. Something completely different. That's amazing. And in fact, in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When it says we are his workmanship, you know what that means? Masterpiece. When you come to Christ as a new creation, you are God's masterpiece. Well, turn to the person next to you and say, I always knew I was a work of art. I always knew I was a work of art. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Right? You're a masterpiece. You're a new creation. You're God's workmanship. You're a masterpiece, right? Someone said, I I like this. He says, when you come to Christ, not only does he give you a new suit, he gives you a new you to put in the new suit. Amen? It's not just a new suit. It's a new you. It's all new. It's all new. That's why we celebrate around here. We all... You know, we all have our scorecards. We all know where we blew it. We all knew the victories of this. We all got our stuff. Who here has stuff? Some of you who didn't raise your hand, you must have a ton of stuff because you can't even raise your hand to get to this. Like, oh, that's so much. Can So I'm just going to assume if you didn't raise your hand that you got more stuff than me because my hand's up. So we all have our stuff. But what doesn't mean we're not new creations. It doesn't mean that we're no longer masterpieces, right? Some guy was chipping away at this big hunk of marble, right? And some guy come up to the, the sculptor. He says, what are you making? He's making a horse. And he's like, well, how are you going to do that? He said, I'm chipping away everything that doesn't look like a horse. So if he's trying to make us like Christ, maybe he's chipping away things that don't look like Christ in my life and in your life. But we call them stuff and issues and struggles. And maybe the great artist, Abba, our father, is chipping away 
at that thing in your life because it doesn't look like Christ. He's not finished. The Bible says he is faithful to complete what he has begun in you. So if you are discouraged, if you're feeling like, you know, you're kind of in the dumps and you've kind of been like struggling, be encouraged today. Come on, get back up. Get back up. Father, dust yourself off. Get back in the game. Get back in the game. Don't quit, because he don't quit on you. He will never quit on you. You're just in process. I'm going to take a deep breath. Let it out. I'm just a work in progress. Amen? We're just a work in progress. Rick Renner says, Once God was finished making you new, you became a masterpiece, skillfully and artfully created in Christ Jesus. There's nothing cheap about you at all. God's creative, artistic, intelligent genius went into your making. Look how much you've been given in in Jesus Christ. Don't you think it's time to stop moaning about how dumb, stupid, ugly, or untalented you feel compared to others? Those feelings are all lies. Some of that may have been true before you were born again, but none of it is true of you now that you are in Christ. God turned you into something spectacular. That's who you are now. So lay claim to your new identity, adjust your thinking and talking to reflect who you really are. Amen? Who are you? You're that kind of You're a masterpiece. You kind of should walk out of here and go to work tomorrow with a little bit of an attitude. And be like, what's up with you, masterpiece? <laughs> Try that at the academy tomorrow, Travis. Walk in, uh, what's up with you, Wormington? Masterpiece. Work of art. Concept car. <laughs> Give me 50! <laughs> Right? That's who we are. Come back. Come back. I don't know where you've been swirling. I don't know what's been going on in your life. Come back to this. Please. Because this is what the world needs to see. This is what is our testimony. It's not, it's not fake. It's not phony. It's real. But when we leave here and we go out to a, hard, uh, a hurting and a hardened and a dark world and they see joy in Jesus, they'll want Jesus. This is what the world needs. Okay? Romans 6, 4. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in kainos of life. He wants us to walk in newness of life. So, purpose in your heart. Tomorrow, go to work new. What does that mean? Oh, Lord, I'm going to surrender this. You know my habits. You know my thought patterns. You know how I do it. I'm surrendering, and I want to walk in newness of life at work tomorrow. I want to walk in newness of life at school. I want to walk in newness of life at home, in my marriage, with my kids. I want to walk in newness, kainos, never existed before, as a masterpiece. And some of you tomorrow at work, at school, at home, some people might go, and if they don't say it to you, they might ask each other, well, what's up with Reagan? Got this weird smile again. You're just kind of smiling all the time. Why are you smiling all the time around here, man? Right? Newness. Newness. It's not fake. It's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. You go into these old environments with your old relatives and your friends and all this, and you're new. And you're just salt and light. And you're letting the joy of the Lord come, come out. 
Okay, I just want to encourage you with that. And it might be, you know, when, when I shared with you uh, that Sunday I came back from our trip to Kenya and how it was challenging in so many ways. It's funny because before our trip, amongst our siblings, I have five adult kids. When I, we told them, when I told them, well, we're going to go visit Layla and the grandkids and Zeke in Kenya. You know what? Most, I think, all of my adult kids said, you're going, Dad? I can't believe you're going. Because they know me going to Kenya was way out of my comfort zone, way out of my box. Like a whole lot of logistics and a whole lot of worst-case scenario stuff. Literally, all my adult kids, you're going? I can't believe you're going. And the only reason I went, and and, I wanted to see my daughter and son-in-law and everyone there and grandkids, but it was really like, Lord, okay, am I supposed to go? Because there's a large part of me that would much rather stay home because it's comfortable, convenient, and cheaper and all that kind of stuff, right? Right? But I really kind of was like, okay, I should go. And, and I was really a conviction of the Lord. Yeah, and I had to take a few deep breaths on this whole trip, and I shared with you what it was like. It wasn't just the decision to go, because when I decided to go, I knew I was also counting the cost of everything that comes with going. Turbulence at 40,000 feet, bumpy roads, 11-hour road trip. Everything that came with it came from a decision out of obedience even to say, okay, let's go. Newness of life. It was like new. It was a stretch. Some of you, it's not going to Kenya. It's going to Triple C this afternoon. Some of you, it's your work tomorrow. Some of you is changing how you talk to each other at home or forgiving somebody or whatever. Your finances, stewardship. Whatever it is that God might be putting on your heart to do new, to walk in newness of life, do it. Do it. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Be awkward. Be clumsy. You know, stub your toe, right? I love this one phrase. I, I, I watch YouTube. There's this phrase. I love it. It's called, do it badly. I love that. It doesn't mean do it intentionally badly. It means do it knowing it's going to be initially bad. But you're doing it. Amen? Follow Jesus even if it's badly at the beginning. But if you sit around and you wait to get your act all cleaned up before you follow Jesus, you're never going to get there. Do it badly. In the power of the Holy Spirit, say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this. Man, I remember the first time Mark got me to play pickleball. I'm very competitive. I hate losing. And I even hate worse looking silly losing. Like double whammy, you had no idea why I kept saying I can't make it, I can't make it, I can't make it. Right? Because I want to learn the sport. And then, you know, then I have to go on YouTube and I have to learn the rules. And then I have to learn the hints. And then I have, nah, nah, nah. At a certain point, I recognized the fact that if I, ever, if I ever chose to go to the pickleball courts in downtown, I was going to do it badly. It was going to be done badly initially. Right? How many of you drove badly initially? 16, 14, 15. How many of your parents are still traumatized by trying to stop the car on their side? <laughs> right? Looking for the brake pad on. What you doing, Dad? I'm, tr- nothing. I'm just trying to stop the car. You drove badly initially, but you drove. Right? 
Follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and you might do it badly, but at least you're going. Amen? Amen. Do it badly. It's okay. He's got you. Amen? He's got you. We get so tied up. That's what Jesus, this whole passage is about freedom. Freedom to celebrate that you're with Jesus. Freedom to not get out. The new and the old, they're not compatible, right? Stop trying to put Jesus into your old wineskin. Some of us, your struggle is that Jesus, you want Jesus, and you hear me talk, and you hear us talk, and you get so excited, and then you're like, but can you stay in my wineskin? Defined as my comfort zone, my old habits, my way of handling things, my thought patterns, my, my, my. Jesus, just come into my wineskin. And he's like, it doesn't work that way. If I come in, it's a whole new game. It's a whole new wineskin. Amen? And you got to go along for the ride. You got to go. Man, there's life when you let it go. But a lot of us are struggling because we have our wineskin and we have our routines and we have our rituals and we have our traditions and we want Jesus just to go into our wineskin and just stay right there. It doesn't work that way. You can't put Jesus into your wineskin. It's his wineskin. We got to go. At a certain point, I can't make that decision for you. Around here, you you hear me say that door is locked from the inside. You got to choose. I got to tell you, come along. Come along. Let him be the new wineskin. Celebrate who you are in Christ. Be that kainos creation. And see what happens in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Worship team, you can come up. So Father, thank you for our time. Oh man, Jesus. You really did shake it up when you came. The new versus the old. And so my prayer for us as a church, those that have professed Jesus, that today we would choose to walk in newness of life as your masterpiece, as new creations, as spectacular works of art. That we would choose to follow you, Jesus. That you would fill us with new wine, you, and that you would be our life. That you would be our life. And then I pray for those here in person or those online that maybe have never made that first step of receiving the gift of salvation through faith in you, Jesus, that this morning they would understand it's not religion, it's not ritual, it's not works. It's receiving the gift of salvation by faith, by trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord. And if you've not done that, I encourage you, again, on the authority of Scripture, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whatever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So if you need to be saved through Jesus, put your faith in him right now. In the best way you know how. Rest in Jesus. Trust Jesus as your savior. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. I pray.
pray that we would leave here transformed through your word and the power of the Holy Spirit. All God's people said, amen. So welcome, uh, Kathy. Why don't you come on up? Women's ministry is kicking off some incredible events into the fall. And this is Kathy Bodycomb. If you have not met her, she is the lead for women's ministry. Hello. Good morning. So is that your water? Is that your water? Oh, thank you. You're getting Mark cooties now. <laughs> thank you. Okay, this is going to take a few minutes. but So... At women's, our ministry, uh, women's ministry team is always looking for ways on how we can encourage the women here at our church at the well. So I was reading the Bible and um, read in the book of Colossians in the first chapter three things that Paul prayed for for the church. The first one, we are asking God that you may be given spiritual insight and understanding. So this is God's word entering into our minds and affecting our hearts. He said, we also pray that your outward lives, which others see, may bring honor to your heavenly father, to please him in all respects by bearing fruit in every good work, and that your knowledge of God may grow even deeper. So as we live our lives, this is then outwardly, as we live our lives, we are trusting God and then Uh, even risking by loving one another. And we find out through that that God is faithful, that he does provide, that he is caring. Um, And so, again, our faith gets even deeper. So then the third thing is we pray that you will be strengthened by God's boundless resources so that you will find yourselves able, able to pass through any experience and endure it with courage, giving thanks with joy to the Father. For he rescued us out of darkness and established us into the kingdom of his dear son, who bought our freedom and forgave us completely. So we are in his kingdom together. And the women's ministry team um, is just really kind of organizing things that we can do um, together to grow, to encourage each other, to honor him, to have his light in us, and that his light also Um, is shining where we are. Um, So how can we do this? We explore God's word together. Uh, We we study it uh, and then dig deeper into it. We pray together for his will. um, And we hear each other's stories, uh, current and past stories that we listen to each other and we become part of each other's lives. So this is our lineup for the fall. (laughs) Um, We have four Bible studies. Uh, We have one on Monday mornings, uh, 10 a.m. It's going to begin September 11th, and it will be here at the well. And they will be studying the book of Timothy and Titus. Monday evening, we're going to be starting September 18th, 7 o'clock here at the well. And we're studying a book called uh, From Beginning to Forever. It's the uh, grand narrative of scripture. We are not reading the entire Bible in six weeks. Uh, it's by Elizabeth Woodson, but it's the, the story from beginning to end. So it will be going through a lot of the books of the Bible, but not reading it in its entirety. Uh, Tuesdays, 2 p.m. on Zoom, they're continuing with Isaiah. And on Thursday, 6.30, starting September 21st, uh, and this will be at Katie's house, 
they will be studying the Sermon on the Mount by Jen Wilkin. It's a great study. We just did it on Monday night. A couple other events that we're planning for this fall. One is a prayer walk, and that's going to be October 7th uh, in the morning, and the location is to be determined, but it will be uh, kind of organized or headed up by Darianne O'Brien and Cynthia Wilson. Uh, and it is to pray for the valley, for this community, and especially our youth. And one last thing is we're going to have a worship evening brought back by popular demand on October 21st um, with Gloria and Shiloh. Um, and that will be here at the, in the Commons. So thank you. That are, That is what the women's ministry is doing this fall. Awesome. <clears throat> Thank you. And, and again, just a, a reminder, when you see all of these uh, events coming up, you know, it's not to overwhelm you. We know that you are busy and you have a lot of things on your plate. The heart behind everything here is relationship. It's relationship and it's a way for you to connect with God and with other women. Uh, I know Kathy is always open to also volunteers and those that would like to come alongside and help serve, use your gifts. So if that is even what you're interested in, please talk to Kathy because, uh, you know, they can always use uh, some other helpers in the ministry. Okay, a couple of other things as we head into the fall. Actually, today, we are going to be at the Continuing Care Center. And uh, once a month, it's kind of started last month. We are there. It's behind the Ojai Hospital. And we call it our second service. And we're going to have chapel today. Uh, I'll be leading worship with Isaac. Bill's going to bring the message. And we want to invite you. And, and many of you have come with us over the years. And you're like, well, what do you do there? You know, uh, we love the residents. We love the residents. And I know that that can be kind of daunting, especially if you haven't been to the new facility. It's a beautiful facility. Um, but we go there. We're going to get there about 145, and then they gather the residents, and they bring them into a big uh, fellowship hall. And uh, we just love them. We get to know them. We walk around, introduce ourselves. You know, we kind of forget that that's where they live. And so uh, many of them faithfully watch us. And if you're watching, uh, good morning. Uh, many of them watch us at 2 p.m. They watch the, uh, the recorded version of our services, so they've seen you on the feed at times as well. But they're blessed when we actually go. And so we want to invite you today. Uh, I know, you know, we also, I know many of you have your Sunday afternoon post-service schedules and everything. I get that. Uh, but I would encourage you, maybe even slash challenge you to come on out, if not this month, next month. And if you're a little nervous and you don't know what to do, that's precisely where you need to be. Uh, and then you find out the simplicity of meeting a new friend and hearing their story and finding out that some of them um, don't even have family locally. And so we get to go and bless them and put a smile on their face. And a lot of times we do the traditional hymns over there. So if you like hymns, uh, we'll be doing those today. Um, but come on out, 145. We're, we're, we're done by 3. Uh, and usually the actual chapel service gets done about 245-ish, and then we just hang out about 15 minutes and share lives. So that's today. Uh, youth ministry, uh, they are kicking off September 6th. And again, uh, middle school, high schoolers, we'd love to uh, have you come out and invite your friends. Uh, Jordan and his team are looking forward to an incredible fall together with you. And I would encourage you, uh, again, parents, adults, uh, pray for the youth of the valley. Uh, these are some very, very challenging times uh, culturally, socially, and spiritually, there's a lot of spiritual darkness in this valley. So, um, you know, if you can't participate in a volunteering capacity, would you pray? Pray for Jordan as well as he kind of spearheads the team uh, because there is a lot going on on the spiritual front these days. And uh, 
you know, there's a lot of transition in the school district. If you didn't know, you know, right, Nordoff is now combined, and they're working through uh, just a lot of logistical differences as well. So at the very least, we can all pray uh, for the youth of the valley. Amen? All right, pray for them. Uh, and then on September 10th, uh, we've been promoting what we call our fall kickoff and family day. Uh, we're going to do a shorter service, and then we're going to head out to the, uh, the lawn. If it's as hot as it's been, we're going to fire up all the water games, the slip and slide, the dunk tank. Uh, you can bring food, and we're going to have refreshments and everything out there. Really just a time for us to regroup as a church family. I know many of you traveled, and you know, we're gone at various times in the summer. But we just wanted to have an actual event where we can enjoy each other's company. Uh, baptisms, we already have one baptism scheduled. And so if you would like to be baptized on uh, September 10th, please let me or Tyler or any of the elders know, and we'd love to chat with you about that. Um, and then uh, Mexico, we'll be done. Um, just a quick reminder, uh, actually eight weeks from today, there will be a whole group of us heading down to Mexico and Sonata to build two houses. Um, we still have room on the trip, so if that's something you are interested in finding out more about or the Lord is really prompting you to sign up, uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the uh, cart outside or you can come talk to me. And fundraising, we, uh, be do- we'll be doing things over the next couple of months, but we have a very significant fundraising goal of about $29,000 to build these two homes. So if the Lord puts it on your heart to donate towards that need, uh, you can certainly again see me or just put uh, you know something in the box or send it in just designated for Mexico trip.